0: It's going to be a very, very intense journey. Again. Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 105 of Frameskip, a low-key video game podcast. I'm your host this week. My name is George, and I'm joined by two of my favorite people. First up, we got Seth. Seth, how you doing? Welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, George. How's it going, buddy? Friendly me from this eternal prison of this mortal soul. <laughs> oh, sorry, I had some <laughs> Mountain Dew and some burp. I'm doing pretty good, buddy. How are you? You had Mountain Dew
0: and some burp, like you drank yeah.
1: burp. <laughs> no, I, I had Mountain Dew and burp. My
0: favorite, my favorite tweet of all time is someone just going funny. I don't remember eating this much diarrhea. <laughs> 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 funny, I don't remember drinking this much burp. Uh, that's great. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad you're good.
1: I I am in a firecracker mood tonight.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that, baby. Let's get at it.
1: I'm going to blow it up.
0: Also joining us, pre-blowing things up, we got Austin, the man who puts hot in Hot lana. How you doing, Austin?
2: Sorry, George. I go by Zeus now, so oh, you have to
1: Yes!
0: That's right. I forgot I wrote that part of the group chat out of my brain because <laughs> I couldn't believe that was an actual conversation people were having.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a podcast by the great gods for... Our underlings, right? Isn't that the whole, the whole? I mean,
1: I would be if you guys were into it. I would be one hundred percent committed to the bit of taking like a six month break and just doing nothing but working out and taking steroids and coming back yacked. (laughs) Just coming back and like
2: (gasps) our voices (laughs) were how so (laughs) yacked.
0: I thought for sure you (laughs) meant for (laughs) When you said six months, I thought, like, for six months, we would just pivot and be a Greek mythology podcast. I thought that was... (laughs) that
1: too. I'm 100% committed to that bit as well. That'd be awesome.
0: (laughs) Guys... But anyway, I'm doing great, George. I'm doing great. I'm super glad to hear that. Uh, We're lucky. This is episode 105. Uh, Things that happened 105 years ago. There was a fire that burned down 300 acres of Austin's own Atlanta. Woodrow Wilson went to Congress, asked him, uh, asked them, sorry, for a declaration of war on Germany to enter World War One officially. And the women's uh, suffrage movement passed in New York, giving women the right to vote. So other things that are 105 this year, pretty cool. Not just the Frameskip podcast.
1: 105 years ago? Yeah,
0: 1917, baby.
1: Oh, I thought that was like the 50s.
0: No, no that was uh Susan B Anthony and George what what games were released 105 years ago? Uh hoopstick <laughs> Hoopstick uh throw stick far uh <laughs>
1: the the first playing cards
0: sleeping (laughs) yeah (laughs) not getting dysentery um let's see what other games were popular 105 years ago um having over under on teeth by age 16 that was a good one we've come a long way now we're counting voxels look at us now dad yep Um, Before we even get into the podcast proper, uh, you are listening to this podcast, which means you found this podcast, which is incredibly cool of you. So if you could please share this podcast with people who you think may enjoy it, we would really appreciate that. We'd also appreciate giving a like, giving a retweet wherever you're finding this podcast. Uh, Even better, if you can go onto your podcast service of choice and leave us a review. Um, Stars are cool. We like stars. We also like uh, feedback. Stars if there's something you enjoy about the podcast please let us know in that review if there's something you don't enjoy about this podcast please let us know in that review and we will work towards correcting that if we want to not if not if we don't want to so
2: by the way if you if you are listening to us and you didn't find us I'm concerned so <laughs> Seek medical attention immediately. And how
0: much would it suck if, like, you had like the voice inside your head that was like guiding you towards decisions? What if it was just like a podcast you didn't subscribe to? You're like, oh god, not oh, not them again. Not <laughs> my mind
1: immediately went to someone like kidnapped, and they're just in a dark room, and the only thing that's happening to them over the course of months is our podcast being played.
0: Oh god, that was like, uh, like what Heaven's Gate, right? Or was it Heaven's Gate? There oh, were, or god. some. Some the ones
1: that all killed themselves. Yeah,
0: but like, didn't the FBI? Weren't they like outside of some cult and they were like blasting Alanis Morissette?
1: Are you talking about like when the ATF was like attacking that cult
0: in Texas, right?
1: Yeah, and it was actually really messed up what they did to them. Like they brutally, they set the house on fire. Oh, there's people inside.
0: The FBI did, or the ATF
1: did? The ATF did.
0: Well, they're alcohol, tobacco, firearms—not alcohol, tobacco, fire. So they're they're probably not very good at. Yeah, they're like oh, the fire department will take care of this. <laughs> yeah, they're not alcohol, tobacco, fire department. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> there is no more tyrannical. Well, that, that might not be true, but there, the ATF is like extremely tyrannical and like no holds barred. When they're after somebody, they like, dude, they rolled an actual tank up to that farmhouse, a tank.
0: Yeah, I just feel like if your mission is the regulation of alcohol, tobacco, firearms, like, that sounds really focused, but actually the amount of things you can do in the name of containing alcohol, tobacco, firearms, not a lot of rules there.
1: Well, also, we're talking about very different levels with those three things, right? Like, why is there one department for alcohol, tobacco, and firearms? You know, like one of these things is clearly more dangerous than the other two things. Yeah. Like when's the last time there was a tobacco crime in the United States?
0: Well, that's like smuggling cigarettes and like selling them like, while like evading like the syntax or whatever. No, but, I, like, like, I, I agree. I, get that. I agree that like firearms are kind of like way more prevalent of an issue. And I kind of wish there was like a more focused department reining them in. I disagree with, uh, a lot of people politically, I don't really enjoy big government, but like, goddamn, should there be just some more focus on alcohol in this country and tobacco in this country? There's just cigarettes raining out of the sky everywhere. It's pure pandemonium here.
1: Yeah, it was called the the Waco. Waco oh, standoff.
0: Yeah. And that's where, um like, Chip and Joanna Gaines show takes place fixer upper it's always in waco and it's just like yeah how can you guys aren't bringing this up like this pretty seminal part of your history we're getting away from the podcast we're here to talk about video games and i'm still just imagining cigarettes raining out of the sky which it was a
1: 51 day siege
0: oh man that's serious
1: 51 day that's crazy that's (laughs) almost as long as hot girl summer was Good guy. dude i know Wait, like like there's there is some seriously interesting american stories that no one talks about that's one of them
0: mm-hmm. what else people don't talk about is what they've been playing this week austin what have you been messing around with on your play box or your game station
2: um yeah seth has disappeared on us he's uh he's gone not that any listener would know that but
1: uh, <laughs> my mug is bigger than my head
2: I'll be honest, I haven't been playing a whole lot because I was working a pretty crazy work shift last week. Um, But I've been playing a little bit over the past couple days, um, Stray, which came out, that just came out yesterday. And so um, Andy and I sat down and played probably an hour and a half, uh, just kind of passing the controller last night. And that game is really good, really good. I I was pretty impressed with the world building specifically. I think the gameplay itself is not like, anything to write home about but the actual world that you're in is uh is really impressive and i I wasn't quite expecting that with a game about a cat so (laughs) um i'm looking forward to play more i don't have too much to say only because we've we've played so little but it's really good so far it's kind of like a puzzle puzzle slight platformer type game you're just walking around as a cat there's a meow button so you can meow at any time it's it's fantastic so um That's that's been my primary game. The only other thing I've really been playing a little bit of is Bayonetta. I restarted um, because Bayonetta 3, the release date was confirmed for I think it's end of October. uh, Finally, and so I'm trying to replay one and two prior and playing through the port for Xbox, the uh, Xbox one port that they eventually did. I think it was like the bundle with Vanquish and runs really good um that game still holds up super super well i i really enjoyed bayonetta the first time i played it uh which was actually the wii u port was when i first played it because if you bought two it came with a code for one and that game is so good it's so fluid and honestly it makes me want to play near automata finally because i've never i've never played that game and so at some point that's one that i need to i need to jump to
1: well, how what, what's your uh, gut check on the Bayonetta three trailer?
2: I liked it. I mean, I I'm curious to see what they do. Are you? How did you feel about it?
1: Uh, I like it. I am a huge Bayonetta fan. I think yeah. Bayonetta one was like one of these underrated gems that slowly yeah, gained a cult following, but it deserved it because it was it had great gameplay and yeah. honestly a really interesting story. That's I don't res- I don't respect. The addition of a voluntary censorship mode. Not censorship <laughs> mode. Voluntary. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. They call it the naive angels mode, which I think is kind of funny. It's sort of like yes. doom, uh, changing the doom guy to a baby when you t- pick the easy mode. Right. Because yeah. like. You got to commit, right? Do you want the nudies in your game or don't you?
2: Dude, and it's crazy. I going back and playing one there. I didn't quite remember how like intense it was with some of that stuff like just yeah. the, sh- the way it shot and you got to commit make it an uh, M rated game
1: yeah. it's, okay to, it's okay to have nudies in your game make it M rated but commit I'm sick of it <laughs> I want especially, you know like
0: sorry I was gonna say especially because like that game came out at a time that was really weird because that was like 2009 2010 I think yeah. it was like the first Bayonetta game and uh, we're gonna get into this a little bit in like the main topic of the show a little bit later but I really think that era was like the last era you could buy a game and like not be sure if it would be good or not. Like you were more surprised okay. if a game was good than if you were surprised if a game was bad. Whereas right. now you're more surprised if a game is bad than if a game is good. Cause I feel like we've kind of figured out like controls for the most part. Like we understand like, you know, like a, a language for games, like how movement should feel, how shooting or aiming should feel. Right. And that game right. was such a pleasant surprise. My roommate and I grabbed that in college and we were just kind of blown away. We even grabbed like the PS3 version. And we were like, oh man, this isn't great, but we like returned it and then got like a three sixty version because that was the the one that played best back on launch. And man, what a surprising fun game. I completely agree, Seth. Such a gem.
1: So Bayonetta did eventually come to PC, I'm seeing.
2: Yes, it did.
1: did, But Bayonetta 2 never did.
2: No, Bayonetta 2 is still only on Wii U or Switch. That's the only way.
1: Bayonetta 2 is one of the rare instances of a series being revived and i think being better than the original because Banana yes. 2 is phenomenal
2: Banana 2 is better than one i agree with that yeah. totally um also and the, story, are, the story in that game is uh, both of those games the story i think is extraordinarily like just nobody talks about it and it's sad to me because the stories in those games are actually really really good yeah. like really well-written plots
1: also a uh, really good animated movie to watch if
2: i haven't seen watched. it yet it's just the yet. story of the first game. Okay. Yeah, but I uh, I'm excited for three. I will say I'm a little cautious. Um, kind of seeing platinum recently. You know, I know Astral Chain was good, but um, what was the game they released that that bombed? Um, uh-huh.
1: Pick pick any that, of them. Babylon's Fall was that? Them? Yes, that
2: one. <laughs> that one that came out and there's had like never a been a more inconsistent like a week studio. later. Yeah, so I'm a little concerned. You know, just well, concerned is not the word. I'm a little cautious just because this game has been in development for so long. And suddenly out of nowhere, just on Twitter, they're like, oh, yeah, it's coming out in October. So I'm a little I'm a little cautious. I don't think I'm going to pre-order it. But if it gets good reviews, I'll I'll pick it up. So either way, I'm excited to replay one and two in the
0: lead up to three. The only three I care about is Xenoblade Chronicles three.
1: Have you played the first two?
0: No, I was just saying that because I was pandering to you. Um, Dude, I, thought, I wish. I thought that was what you wanted to hear. I don't have time. When does that game come out? August? September? No. Like next you're, week. You're rolling through a next lot week. of topics. All right. Okay. You're all right. I'm I mean, sorry. You're I'm just, sorry. I'm sorry. You're
1: I'm just. Because listen, listen. I haven't hosted
0: in a while. I put the cart in front of the horse. I apologize.
1: No, listen to me. Like, I first played Xeno Gears, right? And they all are thematically similar. That's the reason I love this series. I first played Xeno Gears. As like a young man. Maybe 17. And it fundamentally changed the way. I look at religion. And. Class division. Permanently. That game had such a pronounced. Profound impact. On my life. And every single game in that series. Is exactly the same way. Like They tell stories that you don't even see coming until the final 20 hours. You're like, Oh, this is like a whimsical sci-fi adventure. We, and then it's like, actually, you're all born from the elder God and we've known this the entire time. And that's why your life's been miserable. And you're like, Oh, okay. This sounds (laughs) like (laughs) Evangelion. (laughs) Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles three. I'm really interested to see what they do with the, um, with the third game, because there's a huge twist at the end of Xenoblade Chronicles two that you don't see coming and Xenoblade Chronicles three takes place in the same universe and it's confirmed to be a sequel. So like, there's a lot of really interesting things going on, especially because like there are certain characters that look like an outright clone of characters from other games, specifically like the, uh, the, the cat girl.
2: Yeah, I did notice that.
1: And I think that that's not going to be answered until the last two hours of the game.
2: And I will say too, I think they even came out and said, that uh this one really ties one and two together like this is really like meant to be played after playing one and two which was not i mean i'm i know there are still connections with one and and two but they didn't really say that specifically when two came out so this is it's kind of interesting to see their their marketing on this but dude i just wish they weren't so damn long like i want to play them it's just hard for me to commit like 120 hours to three games It's
1: It's, so worth it though. The first one not so much. The first one (laughs) I think you can reasonably skip if you're not into it in the first ten hours. I think the opening Uh, for one is like not great. Two is an amazing game all the way through, especially at the end game where you can like get Dude, see, the cool thing about, god damn it. The cool thing about 2 is that it's a gotcha game without microtransactions, right? So, like, you can get these blades, you can collect them, and some of them are from, like, other games and stuff, and it's really cool. And in the end game of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you can customize your party to a certain extent where you can create, like, unbeatable builds if you're good enough at the game, where, like, you're just constantly healed no matter what. And that's like it's like a that's the kind of stuff I love in, in games, and I'm really excited for Xenoblade Chronicles three, but it's on the Switch, man. I don't want to play the Switch anymore. I'm over it.
2: I will say two looks kinda of rough at times on Switch. I do remember that. I played about I yeah. I played about fifty hours when it came out and I dropped out. I mean at this point I would have to restart, but you played and...
1: fifty hours and then dropped out?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: God. At what did <laughs> I, love, is, like, I love in what, time? Hey.
2: <laughs> But that that always happens to me with RPGs, though. I always get like halfway through Persona 5 Royal. I played like 60 hours and
1: then I stopped. No, see, that's different. That's different because me, you and Pedro all have the same thing going on with Persona 5, where it's like we loved our experience with the original one. And there is like a deep visceral repulsion to anything more Persona 5. I can't even play Strikers. The thought of playing Strikers makes me physically ill. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I loved Persona 5.
2: Yeah. Well, I will tell worry. you, too, the issue is, and I had the same issue, and we're going way off topic, but <laughs> hang with me. <laughs> oh, I had the same issue with Persona 5 when I first played it. I got to Haru, and then I just don't care about that portion of the game. I love Persona 5, but that all, I did the same exact thing when 5 first came out. I played the crap out of it, got to Haru, stopped for like a year, went back yeah, to it, I mean, finished it. Same exact thing with Royal. That is literally, I'm literally in the same exact spot with Haru. And I just really hate that, that character part. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, So that's all you've been playing Austin. <laughs> yes. Yes. Stray <laughs> and whatever else I said, Bayonetta. <laughs> okay.
1: Cool. So,
0: what have you been playing?
1: Not much, bud. Nothing you want to talk about? Uh, no, I no, was just being funny. Uh Realistically, not a whole lot. I I started playing The Witcher Three on a lot of hoopstick. <laughs> yeah, a lot of hoopstick, dude. Like I've I've been in such a and mood lately that like I wanted something like a deep fantasy to scratch that itch, right? Hmm. And I downloaded and installed Divinity Original Sin Two, and I just I hate that setting, so I I, I uninstalled it after about five hours maybe okay wait Um, hold on
0: sorry there's divinity original sin 2 and then there's a game in a similar space one is like an action game the other one's like a turn-based
1: pillars of eternity yes thank you there's also um the pathfinder games which are pretty much the same and they're also pretty good but i just divinity original sin 2 is like why they consider the best one of them and it has the best graphics and um is that the turn-based one or is that the action one it's turn-based okay it's turn-based um and I'm just like, man, I hate this setting. Like, it's it's just not not my my cup of tea, In, in this, especially in the first five hours or so. Is it, like,
0: is it like when you go to a restaurant and you ask for a Coke and they say, sorry, we only have Pepsi? Like, you
1: want D&D? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, speaking of that, by the way, I've never been more offended at a restaurant before in my life. And this might be a little culturally insensitive, but I went to a legitimate Japanese ramen restaurant recently and they brought me out warm water and put it on my table in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bottle and I poured it and drank it and I almost threw up all over the table. I will never, like, listen, I'm not drinking warm water. I don't care what Mike Tyson says on Instagram. Okay, How, how good it is for you.
2: What I will tell you is that's not normal. So,
0: <laughs> Okay, that's not normal?
2: <laughs> no, that is not normal.
0: No, it sounds like they ran out of ice. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm sorry for your loss. I mean, yeah. r- room temp,
2: yes, that is a thing. But like warm, yeah, no, no. yeah,
1: <laughs> it was like it was like hotter than the ambient temperature in the room. And I was like, no, I'm not drinking this. Get me cold water because that's what my body wants. I want cold, refreshing water, not warm, disgusting <laughs> distilled water. I don't know. What was I talking um, about?
0: Well, if it's like sweat temperature, then you got a problem.
1: Yeah, it was like it was like uncomfortably like if I'm dying of thirst, I'm not drinking it. Right. I'd rather die. I'm going to throw up all over your table and walk out. The ramen was delicious, though.
0: <laughs> That's good. Did you get what kind of what kind of toppings did you get?
1: There was an egg in there. OK. And, some, so crunchy, be. and some crunchy stuff. I don't like I don't agree with you. I don't agree with well, you. I was just wondering, like, is there like tonkatsu on top? Type. Like,
0: was there like a nice like pork
1: cutlet on top? There was. My <laughs> girlfriend ordered it for me. There was crunchy stuff.
0: The crunchies. Oh, yeah. oh the crunchies. Gotcha. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, but here I I, I got a rebuke. I don't agree. I don't think ramen belongs with egg. First off, okay, hold on. There's one egg in there. What are we doing? All right. What are we doing? Like, how am I supposed to? It's a, like, a soft-boiled
0: soft soft egg, and like yeah, the, exactly. The hot, yeah, but like, the water's supposed to cook the yolk, and the yolk is actually really
1: nice. With the okay, what we're getting into semantics, I feel. <laughs> All right, but like, there's—am I supposed to just eat the whole thing? Because that's what I did. I picked it up with my chopsticks and threw it in my mouth, and I was like, I, usually, kinda, I,
0: I break it into pieces and use that with like a little bit of protein because there's usually like pork or chicken or something else. And I there, think there was
1: like—I think there was pork in mine. It was delicious. But the egg yeah, most most not, ramen is
0: based off like a pork bone broth, so makes sense. Like,
1: it was like a texture thing. I, I I I use my tongue a lot instead of my teeth chew, not because I have bad teeth, but it's a, it's how I it's how I, I mush things in my mouth. Right? Uh, this I don't, I don't conversation,
2: good tongue. <laughs> this yeah. conversation is fascinating.
0: <laughs> Can we start and like
2: it, a culinary podcast where Seth just <laughs> reviews food, just explains food he's eaten once
0: <laughs> and has been. And when I I, I
1: smashed the egg with my tongue, the inside. I'm not. Soft boiled eggs. Not my thing. Same thing yeah. with tomatoes. The gushy insides. Not my thing.
0: All oh, right? you're one of those people. Yeah. Hmm. How do you how do you feel about cilantro?
1: Cilantro. I have the gene that makes it taste like dish soap. Yeah, me too. It's terrible. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, if dude, if That's I crazy. if I get like a sandwich and they just add cilantro on it, it I can't eat it.
0: I'm not eating that sandwich. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I can't.
0: That's insane. It's really unfortunate i 'cause I'm I'm like half Hispanic I was and I used to say. live in like Asian towns. So like it's like I always lived in like I lived in Thai town when I lived in LA. I live like right next to uh Japantown in San Francisco. Like everywhere I've lived is just all in on cilantro, and this guy ain't
1: nope. Can't do I, it. I cannot do cilantro. It actually will it and it's like It's not like a hint of bitterness. It's like it overtakes every other flavor. If you have a little bit of cilantro in there, it's crazy, crazy. What was I saying? I don't know.
0: Uh, pillars of eternity. Oh, also,
1: (laughs) lettuce. Get your lettuce out of my sandwiches. All right. I'm sick of having lettuce in sandwiches. Let's stop pretending like it's a it's a good ingredient. It's just there for texture and shredded lettuce. I'm sorry. I'm gonna slap you in the face. Lettuce, lettuce is really important.
0: Lettuce protects the integrity of the bread from like the conditions of the ingredients. So like the reason you should put lettuce on the bottom of your burger is to protect your bun from sopping up all of like the burger juices and deteriorating no. the quality of the no. bun. Yeah. Let me tell you, don't you know something what the hell about. you're. Talking. You're not a food engineer. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. That so.
1: burger isn't lasting long enough. To get soaked into the (laughs) bread. All right. You are wrong. (laughs) That burger is getting devoured immediately. As soon as that. The 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 crispiness of the
0: lettuce is paramount to a sandwich. Like there's no sandwich finer than a BLT on a hot day. Because you got the crispiness of the lettuce. Like a nice little bite. A nice little snap. You get the juices Mm -hmm. of the tomato. And you get the crunch of the bacon. A perfect sandwich on a hot day. All those ingredients working together in perfect harmony, mm-hmm. supplying a different part of umami to your to your taste buds. I almost mm-hmm. said I didn't. you can mark it, Austin. Um, you're wrong. You're fundamentally wrong on all of your food opinions. And I can't wait I to start from
1: with you. Pennsylvania. <laughs> all right. We are known for our sandwiches. Where's the, che- the cheesesteak known from? Philly. All right. We don't put lettuce on the Philly cheesesteak. We might put cheese Whiz and it's kind of gross, but we don't put lettuce on it. All right. And I'm not going to pretend like you northerners, you Maine guys, See, you know, I lived, thing in, about I lived sandwiches. in South
0: America for a bit, which is further south than Philly. And on those steak sandwiches, they would put tomatoes on and hot damn were they delicious.
1: Don't talk to me about tomatoes because tomatoes ruin a whole sandwich. They ruin everything.
2: George, what have you been playing?
0: I'm the host here. I'll answer that question when I'm good and ready. Actually, I'm, I'm ready now, but not because. Well, you see, said I've been playing Overcooked, and uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually am ready, but not because you said it.
0: Not because you said anything. I, I also played Stray. I think calling it a platformer is pretty disingenuous because yeah. there's no ability for you to make your own decisions whatsoever. You literally right. go up to a ledge, and there's either a prompt for you to jump up there or there isn't. So I, I get why it's called a platformer. I'm in love with this game. I only played like an hour of it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, So I'm I'm not nearly as far as you are. I think I only got like the first trophy. And like the okay. it, uh inciting incident in that game is like legit the saddest inciting incident I've ever seen in yeah. a game. Like at least in the it last does. five years. I was more emotionally um, moved by that moment than anything in the first three hours of The Last of Us.
2: Have your have your dogs taken notice of the game? Because that's like a thing that everybody's sharing online. And Donut, our cat, was just
0: watching us play it all last night, and was staring at the screen as he yeah, saw see, Yeah, see, representation matters. Yeah, this is just another another proof, another proof arrow in that quiver. Uh, no, I've, I've only been playing when the dogs were asleep.
1: No, okay. see, there's a cooler story to that that you're not bringing up, <laughs> and it is the, that our cat let us. <laughs> our frame rate and television hertz have finally gotten so high yeah. that animals see it as motion and not a flipbook. Yeah. That's why like dogs and cats didn't care about old TV shows and stuff because it looked like a flipbook to them, like like really slow pictures. But they're but now because TVs hertz have gotten to like 180, 240, like they're really high, the frame rates of video games have gotten so high, now they see these things and like, "Oh wow, that is a cat in there." Expect well, in the next five years and to see dogs.
0: Uh, it's, sorry, it's it's that, and it's like the pixel quality. Because I remember, like when seven twenty yeah. was introduced, that was when they finally started being like TV channels for pets specifically. Right. So you could like right. leave it on when you like went to work that day.
2: And no joke, too. This wow, we are getting way off topic again. When we first got a four K TV, we would put on like four K videos of squirrels and stuff like on YouTube to see what Donut would do, and he had. Definitely, like, more of a reaction to the 4K videos than he did the 1080 videos, which is fascinating.
1: Oh, yeah. That's,
0: That's really a that little bundle
1: of joy back there, running around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also played... There was a PlayStation Plus game recently called Arcade Geddon. And I can't really put my fingers on this game. It's a really weird free-to-play where, like, the, the physics feel kind of like uh, Fortnite. Like, just really super cartoon exaggerated. You're going through sort of missions, I guess. Like, they're called runs, like arcade runs. And so I played it with, like, my buddies, who I got real into Deep Rock Galactic with. And we were, <clears throat> excuse me, um, just trying to get as far as we could. And you can, like, manipulate the difficulty in the game as, as you go along. And it feels good. It's like a third-person shooter, but uh, I, I don't know how long it's going to hold my attention for. But in the meantime, it's it is like a fun game to just get a bunch of people together on and and party with. Austin just took a bite out of the biggest pill of ecstasy I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: Oh, oh, surprise. I thought he was just eating regular marshmallows. No, they're like chocolate filled marshmallows. (laughs) I was like, who just has marshmallows in their house as a snack? No, (laughs) no,
2: no. The truth
1: becomes a lie. It is, it is a, it is a chocolate filled marshmallow. I was so annoyed at first.
0: Oh, that looks really
2: good. Okay. Sorry, George. It's, it's okay. okay. Uh,
0: I give it, I give RK getting like a C plus so far. Uh, like it's, it's a fun way to kill time and it's on PlayStation plus. So why not check it out?
1: Oh, six Bes- out of 10.
0: Besides that, um, I played one game for a bunch of hours last week called Children of Morda. And I really, really enjoyed it. It is a roguelite where you play as like a family, sort of slowly evolving your powers, uh, upgrading, going through dungeons, trying to restore peace and harmony to the world, all that good stuff. And I was wondering why I didn't hear about this game whatsoever. And I looked it up and everyone's just like, oh yeah, it's basically like a not as good as Hades game. I'm like, oh, I never played Hades. That's why no one's mentioned this because they're too busy still playing Hades. Uh, But I really, it was on sale for like three bucks on PSN. Well, two weeks ago, I think it might still be on sale. I'm not sure. But man, what a gorgeous game. Just super pixelated, going through random dungeons, upgrading, getting stuff. It's it's super fun. And it makes me want to check out Hades.
2: Hades is really good. It's also really hard. So I got to a point. Uh, I probably got like 75% of the way through it. And it just got so challenging that I was Non stop frustrated and I had to stop,
0: but it, it is a very good game. I do it really like it. Right? The last game I've been playing is actually what inspired our topic of the week. So, Austin, since you're the editor, can you do like a weird little musical cue here as we transition into the topic of the week? Yes, no, we're not a goddamn carnival, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> The other game I was playing this week that inspired the topic, I've been playing a lot of Homefront the Revolution. And this was a game that, again, was on sale for basically pennies on the dollar on PlayStation Network. I grabbed it. I started playing it. This game was, like, pretty panned when it came out. It was the successor to a game that had come out, I believe, in, like, 2010, Homefront, um... Modern day shooter basically set an alternative history United States where North Korea had invaded not unlike Red Dawn. In fact, I believe it was written by the screenwriter of Red Dawn, a 1980s movie starring Patrick Swayze and uh, not Leotone, Jennifer Gray and Jennifer Gray and uh, all about like a Russian Cuban communist alliance invading the United States and these teenagers in Colorado mounting a resistance. Basically, every NRA holders like wet dream. And it was used actually in the marketing for NRA for years after. Anyways, this game takes place in Philadelphia and is an open-world RPG shooter. And I gotta be honest, guys, this game's not great, but I liked playing it. And I enjoyed playing this game more than any of my time with Far Cry 6. I played Far Cry 6 for maybe an hour and a half, and I was so overwhelmed and so bored by that game that I just turned it off and uninstalled it. Homefront the Revolution is calling to me. I Love doing this podcast with you, but hot damn, would I rather be playing that game right now? It's got its hooks in me. The story is super weird. Basically, it's like if North Korea had Apple computers, right? And like Apple, North Korea's Apple was like became the most powerful corporation in the world. The United States ended up becoming not a superpower borrowing a whole bunch of money from North Korea and then defaulted on its payments. And basically Korea got to like legally annex the United States. (laughs) The story is absolutely absurd. That's not how geopolitics works. But the game itself is just an open world across the desolate wreckage of Philadelphia. And you're just going through trying to take out, you know, Korean military patrols and unlocking areas. It is fundamentally and mechanically the exact same as like Far Cry 3 or Far Cry 4 before the game got, I think, a little too up its own. Ass. Uh and this made me just think about games in general that are written off for being average. This game got decimated on review. I have no idea why. I'm sure it was patched in the time since it released from when I'm playing it now, years later. But this game did not deserve any of the hate it got. It was perfectly fine. And so that got me thinking about just average games in general and how I think there's like nothing more damaging than just saying something is mid and then just like moving on. Because, like, when you say that, like, mid becomes, like, the new bottom, right? All of a sudden, like, that takes away so much vocabulary that you're using to, like, define art and qualities of art. They just get thrown by the wayside. It's like, oh, yeah, the new Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, it was mid. Forget it. It's like, well, no, like, that movie is, like, not a bad movie. But by calling it mid, you're equating it to being bad, saying that, like, it's not even worth your time. When, like, it is worth your time, it is significantly better than any bad movie I've ever seen. So I want to I want to talk to you guys about sort of like damning with faint praise and uh, that role on the video game industry.
1: Yeah. Um. So there's I mean there's a lot to unpack there, but I think this goes back to like the issue that gaming has had since I mean as long as I can remember, where games were rated on a uh, twenty point scale. And anything lower than an eight was considered a bad game by a vast majority of people, and only um like the hardcore people that were going to PAX and you know a lot of the game journalists were talking about like you know this doesn't make sense. Why don't people want to play sevens? And a lot of people were saying like, oh, you know, it's because of the American school system where uh a seventy is passing it's like okay well i guess that kind of makes sense but i also think it has a lot to do with like the adhd nature of our society today where everything everyone's just looking for like the next big thing the next big thing and if it doesn't hit perfect people are just going to move on to the next thing because we are so like flooded with games nowadays it, it's it's not like it was you know, a decade ago, or two decades ago, where we'd get a couple new games a week or a month. Now we've got hundreds of games releasing on Steam every single day. And, you know, we have completely lost the middle space, the double A space, if you will, in, in you know, the mid-2010s. And now what we have is massive AAA games, and we have indie games. And if that massive AAA game isn't up to par, you're going to be like, well, why would I play this when I've got an entire library on Game Pass to play? Um, I've heard from many people, not just you, that Far Cry was great. Fantastic, even. But I also think that, like, the Ubisoft formula is just so tired and old at this point that it's not going to get a fair shake if it's anything like the previous ones because I think people are sick of it. Which doesn't mean it's a bad game. It just means that like you, all Ubisoft games are extremely similar and they come out every single year and people want something that's going to grab their attention because we have such a short attention span that's so hard to grab they they're desperate for something that's going to grab their attention and they're going to be able to sink some time into that's enjoyable. Something like Elden Ring came out that was new and different and people were able to really jump in there and they were able to experience something new. But Far Cry comes out and it's it's a good game, but I think when someone plays something like Far Cry that they've played before essentially, it's going to it's it's going to be hard to garner the same amount of attention from people because it's just the same thing they had before go ahead I'm done
0: really quick before I turn it over to Austin I just want to say my problem with Far Cry is not the formula I personally love the formula like it's like I love sitcoms right and like sitcoms like when they start to deviate from the structure that's when I'm like a little like no like give me give me what I'm looking for Kind of deal for me, the problem with Far Cry six specifically was that it felt too much like an MMO, like it was deviating too far from like the Far Cry norm to the point that like it felt too alien to me. And it's not like the gameplay was too alien. It was that like the UX, right? Like the the UI, like the way you actually physically interacted with the game. That was what was too far for me. I'm not knocking the, the formula, like the fact that Homefront Revolution gets back to the classic formula. I think that's what I'm actually enjoying so much about it. And so I just want to throw that out there really quick, that that was my my problem with Far Cry 6. Uh, Austin, let, let's hear it, big guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that's interesting to me is, um, you know, we talk about the review scores, and I, I totally think Seth is right. I mean, this is something we've been dealing with forever, pretty much, when it comes to art of, you know... Um, something that's a seven or a 7.5 or lower is just deemed unacceptable which is odd to me you know i I think back to some of my favorite games and surprisingly this is one thing that elijah and i agree on like a, a good example for me is lollipop chainsaw i actually think that game is quite fun i i really enjoyed that game when i played it um some of the dynasty warriors games they frequently kind of score around the six seven range and i think those games are quite quite enjoyable um but i I do think seth touched on something interesting which is the popularity of those big those big titles the um you know the big triple a's that come out and score 9.5s 9.8s whatever it may be those crazy high scores that then kind of invoke this um for lack of a better word this kind of like societal force of hey we all love this game like we as a society, this game is awesome. We all love it. It's it's a it's a game of the year. And Breath of the Wild is like one of those games. I would I would absolutely put that in that category, that um, Skyrim Elden Ring. I think, oddly enough, I and I don't know how this plays into it. I think we as a society, like for some reason, have a need to all love something. Like we, we want that big game to love and. Um, when it's not that big game, when it's not something that draws everybody's attention, we, we kind of throw it in the trash. We kind of look at it as a, you know, this isn't, this isn't as important to us, even though it might be important to me as an individual or Elijah as an individual or you, George or Seth. So like I said, I don't really know what I'm arguing for necessarily, but I think that, that, um, that's always been fascinating to me, you know, and the, the thing that kind of, um, I guess made me realize that that's kind of the state of of gaming is, you know, I look at Elden Ring and and some of these big games and and I've for the most part I've kind of dropped out of mainstream gaming. Like I I kind of just play whatever. And uh I don't really focus on the big releases anymore and it's been almost um I guess rejuvenating for me for lack of a better word. Like it's it's been nice to just not have to worry about FOMO and like what is everybody else playing what you know what do i need to play so that i can stay in the societal conversation and so i think on that front to me that's kind of why those those quote unquote mid games are treated treated as bad or whatever they may be because they're not um they're not in our societal daily kind of mindset and they're not those games that people talk about all the time so going back to them, playing them, you know, you might be the only one playing them in your friends sphere. And, you know, for the, the average gamer, I think that's, that's not necessarily a positive thing. I think some people look at the big titles and think, oh, I need to play this so I can talk to my friends and, uh, you know, converse about the game and, and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting dilemma and it's unfortunate because there are a lot of games that like, like you said, George, that are quote unquote mid that are actually quite good. Even even if they're sevens or if people don't talk about them.
0: I think it's unfortunate, too, because like so much of game, I guess, like value, like artistic value is associated with its actual like monetary value. Right. And so the reason like I don't mind playing average games is because like when I was growing up, I like when I was like 14, I had to buy my own video games. Right. Like I had an Xbox. <clears throat> I had a job my dad wasn't going to just like drop money on games for me. I'd get like one game a year for my birthday. And I remember getting like ultimate Spider-Man and holy crap. Was that game? Great. Right. Best Spider-Man game. Best Spider-Man game. Yeah. Game is incredible. Um, but like the rest of the year, like I was sort of on my own for video games. And so I would frequently scrounge like the, the, discount section right of of walmart that was the only place near me that sold video games so i wasn't used to paying more than 20 dollars for a game and that was where i discovered the two towers which is an excellent license game that was where i discovered return of the king which is also an excellent license game that was where i got spider-man 2 that was where i got fantastic 4 most importantly that was where i got the punisher game for original xbox which if anyone hasn't played that uh by any means you can please play that game it is absolutely insane but like those games frequently went down in price so quickly because they were considered average right average if not outright bad and i guess what i don't understand about like having like what seth mentioned the 20 point scale or even just like a 10 point scale is like what's the point of having a 10 point scale if you're only going to play things that are at three points on the scale Right, like, we, I, I really think we need to reframe our, our mindset about like, a game being a five out of ten having no value because like it clearly does have value. It is so much better than a game with zero. Is it as good as a game with ten? No, that's relative. You know, like, I don't know. I, I just think that like saying something is average and just immediately dismissing it because it's not considered like a, a, a paramount item of, of this genre is just. It's just stupid. Like it's it's like actually dumb. Like how many things could you have enjoyed that you've just completely written off just because someone you've never met considered it a seven out of ten as opposed to a nine out of ten? Like it it just it just blows my mind. And like I think it's only video games. Like I don't think people see that like a movie review has like a five out of ten or like a seven out of ten, and they're just like, well, I'm not gonna watch that movie. It's like no, like it's an hour and a half. Like I think time. time commitment i guess is like such a large factor that comes into this right because you have no problem wasting two hours on a movie that gets middling reviews but the second a game gets middling reviews you just don't want to invest anything into it
2: well and i think that frankly i think the other issue is too aside from you know the kind of perception of reviews for the consumers i i do think the review scale is skewed for the reviewers as well like i i look at you know, just over the past few years, decade, even, you know, reviews of games. And I mean, I I can hardly think of any examples of games that got less than a five. And so I think even reviews themselves, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like reviews themselves are scaled up as well in a way that most, most bad games for reviewers even are in that six, seven range. And, um, it's, Five out of ten
1: should be the average, though, right? Like yes, and yes. then and then everything above and below that should be right, good or bad.
2: But I do agree with you, Seth. I think that the um, you know, the American grading s- system is interesting to bring into conversation because I do think that could be a reason why it's an issue. Um, because you're right. I mean, in school, you'd look at like a fifty, and that is certainly not a good score. That's a that's a failing score. That's not an average score. That's a failure failure mm-hmm. essentially. And so...
0: No, you get a 50, I, you're retaking that class.
2: Right, right. So I, I do think that could be part of why our society thinks that way. I've never really thought about that. But, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. A, fi- a, a 5 out of 10 should be the exact middle. I mean, just statistically. So...
0: Should we get rid of review scores altogether?
1: Well, I'm wondering, like... Are review scores eventually going to become irrelevant? And I'm wondering why they haven't yet because the only people I know that read like book reviews or movie reviews are like the people that are really passionate about like cinephiles, right? Mm -hmm. People that are really into it. I think the majority of people just see a movie trailer that's interesting and go to the movies. Um, and I don't know anybody personally at all. Like I can't think of a single one that actually reads or watches movie reviews, right? So I'm wondering, I I, I'm wondering if it's the price point of video games that push people to not want to lose that money on video games and be so more focused on reviews and cause this situation to begin with.
2: I think it could be that. I think it could also be the fact that, you know, and this doesn't necessarily apply to like Blu-rays or home streaming because it's a different conversation, but when a movie comes out, it's in the theater, it's a set price, but video games, you know, they release it, let's just say 70 bucks, but three months later, they might be 30 bucks. I think that also is part of the part of the discussion. There is, you know, and this happens to me a lot. If I see something that gets a six or a seven, I'm probably not going to get it for 70 bucks. I'll hold off on it until it's cheaper. And oh, so yeah. that's, and for, that's for the record like I don't think I don't think that's film. like a
0: bad policy too. Like yeah. I, like the fact that I brought no. this topic up it's not right. like I'm shaming people for right not yeah. playing sixes yeah. or sevens or not spending all their money on sixes or sevens.
2: No, and it's just my my point with that though is that it doesn't parody quite entirely with with films just because of the way films are released, you know. Mm-hmm. Um it is a little different once they're out on on Blu-ray or whatever because they they do have sales for those, but um It's just a slightly different release strategy. So I think that could be some of the. Some of the conversation.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, I just think it's it's just like weird. Like I never would have played this game because of the reviews and I'm finally playing it now. Granted, it helps that it was three dollars on PSN. Not going to pretend that doesn't. It might even actually be free with PlayStation Plus. I can't remember but I'm having a ball like this is like some of the most fun I've had with like a first person shooter. Again, you're just in like an open world rundown, derelict Philadelphia, just, you know, murking North Korean soldiers. And it's awesome. Like It it's sounds so much great. Fun. Yeah, it's it's super fun. And it's made by Crytek and like it very much feels like a crisis game with just like Far Cry mechanics. Um, <clears throat> Pardon me uh so thank you so much for discussing that with me guys i I appreciate it It was helpful to hear other opinions on why games that are considered average are passed over and in fact i've got this here at my desk i'm gonna show it to you now but this is the godfather 2 on playstation 3 another game that got i believe like a 7.5 and man that game is awesome like that game is so much fun i'm just playing as like some weird random capo in uh in corleone's army and just taking over different uh, districts with all my different rackets and it's like oh man this game is awesome another game that like because it didn't score nines and tens I didn't play it back in the day but I'm thoroughly enjoying now
1: I also just bought Homefront Revolution based on your recommendation
0: Cool man I hope you like it PC Very cool yeah.
1: Yeah. Um the game I wanted to shout out was El Shaddai Ascension of the Metatron uh, that, oh, that came game's out. great Very, I didn't realize it at the time, philosophical, Mm -hmm. because it's actually based on the book of Enoch, which was a Dead Sea Scroll, a book taken out of the Bible. Um, And that opened up a whole other conversation for me about history and religion of Christianity. So uh, El Shaddai is wonderful, and I think everyone should um, check it out.
0: That's a great point. Let's talk about some some average games that we absolutely love. Austin, you mentioned one earlier. Elijah's not here, but I know for a fact he would absolutely say lollipop chainsaw. Yes. Now, and that game. I mean, like I said, I agree
2: with him on that. I, I actually think that game is really good. And I, I think part of the. Issue with that game, frankly, is the gameplay like it, it is pretty choppy. But if you've ever played a grasshopper game um, or a Suda game, it's pretty similar where it's, you know, it's not like your Bayonetta as we mm-hmm. discussed earlier, Devil May Cry. It's, it is um, a little more rough around the edges gameplay-wise, but I actually think it's really fun. The story is really, really unique and different. It's written by James Gunn, which is always kind of a neat little note. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's one that I, I feel like just people don't talk about enough. So I'm I'm hoping that with the uh, remaster coming out at some point in the near future, it kind of kind of sees some new light.
1: Um Very cool. I want to say, like, No More Heroes. Yeah. Now, what was the controversy you guys were talking about with No More Heroes 3? Because it, it, it's not very good.
2: Elijah says he doesn't like it, but my understanding is that game scored pretty well.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I didn't... I, I didn't might be know. wrong,
2: but I'm not, I'm not sure.
1: Hmm. I didn't think it was out yet.
2: <laughs> no More Heroes 3? It came out on Switch, like, a year or two ago. But the PC version, I, I think, no is idea. later this year.
1: I love No More Heroes. I th- I thought No More Heroes was so good, and I remember it at the time. I felt like it didn't get that good of reviews.
0: Well, I, I just remember game. like recharging your sword. Like, I bought that game. Off. I think it was like my senior year of college on Wii, just because like I've been playing a lot of 360. I've been playing a lot of PS3, and I'm like, oh man, I've really neglected my Wii lately. So I bought No More Heroes. I bought uh, Red Steel Two, and I bought Monster Hunter Try and man i got i got lost in my Wii for like a, a solid two months there and man the just the attitude and the vibes of no more heroes is absolutely incredible
1: um wow yeah i guess i was wrong i guess no more heroes scored really good actually never mind um i just see that a g4 gave it a perfect score which is not correct it's definitely not a perfect game but <laughs> um oh god what happened to g4 you know I thought for sure when they announced them coming back I that they were going to uh, blow up. But I actually think their launch was the reason that they botched so hard because they did like a that soft launch forever and I just stopped caring eventually. I was like, no, whatever. But G4, what a great moment in history.
0: It was really nice just like turning on TV and seeing like Electric Playground. God, I love that show so much.
1: Yeah. Um, X-Men
0: Legends is another game I'm going to throw out there. That game is just like a, a Diablo clone, basically. Action RPG. And it's like so slow at certain points. But good grief, do I love that game and everything about it. X-Men
2: Legends. I was looking through my trophy list to see what all yeah. I've played and what other games. You know, I this one I think still got relatively good scores. But um, Final Fantasy Fifteen is a game that I, I, I know most people said it was like about average, but
0: I adore going s- game. You're gonna send Seth to the moon if you if you mention that game. He's, he's got he's got a speech. I think that game up. is fantastic. And Dude, um,
1: me and Pedro have a three and a half hour podcast that I recorded. That's I I haven't I haven't uploaded it yet, but diving deep into that game like. A molecular level of deepness, and uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot to talk about Final Fantasy 15, but I don't necessarily disagree with you, it's very controversial.
0: Yeah, Zombie so Army 4 got like straight sevens. That game is excellent. That game is like almost a perfect multiplayer game. Like, if you got three buddies, I cannot recommend that game enough. Immortals Phoenix Rising is just a Breath of the Wild clone, but it's excellent, and if the thing that drove you most crazy with breath of wild was your swords breaking you're just like me and you're gonna love love phoenix rising that game's great and it's usually on sale too i'm just looking through my PSN profiles now sackboy like excellent. a lot of
2: yeah i agree with that um i think one thing that that always makes a an average game more enjoyable to me is co-op You know, you look at, um, I just found this on my trophy list. I'm not even sure if you remember playing it together. But um, Sword Art Online, the first one that was originally like on Vita, that they eventually ported to PS4 it had the online co-op. And you and I played quite a bit of that. We used to stream it when we were streaming on R&M. And looking back on it, that game was pretty botched. But I remember like just having a blast with it. So I think co-op is always like a... You know, if you've got some buddies that are all picking up this six out of the 10 game, I think that that's
0: usually a pretty good sign, I would say. Also, <clears throat> I know Drive Club as like a PlayStation game was like marred by like inconvenient problem after inconvenient problem game was supposed to be like a launch game for playstation 4 it was delayed it was supposed to be free with playstation plus and then you got basically like a trial version and just like a limited version of the game that ended up being free like there was so much about drive club that got in its own way but that game is not a seven that game is so much better than a seven that game is that game was excellent they kind of killed it now all the online connectivity has been ruined I know I'm biased because I got the platinum in that game, but that game was incredible and it killed that studio. That game getting sevens absolutely killed that studio. And so like, that's the, the lineage, the heritage of, um, that racing series guy. What was it? MotorStorm? Yeah. Like th- those, those guys are just gone now. And it's almost more exciting because they've turned into probably like 15 different teams all across the UK, making new and interesting things. But gosh, darn, would I love a new MotorStorm game right now?
1: wasn't there like a whole bunch of other stuff about drive club too? like though that like there was a lot of controversy surrounding like it's servers or something. I can't remember so long ago. Yeah. The online was a little wonky
0: wonky at first. And it was also like polyphony was kind of like, what the hell guys, like, why are you making a car sim game? Like we're kind of the car sim guys. And so I think there was also just like a battle for resources like at Sony, there was a lot going on there, but that game got straight sevens again on Metacritic. And it's like, no, this game's actually way better than that.
1: But, Austin, do you remember like what what controversy was going on with, with Drive Club? Wasn't there like a early release or something along those I lines? I know. I
2: I remember something controversial, but I really don't remember what it was. I can't, I, I can't recall. Um Yeah, I do remember there being some some conversation, but it that was so long ago. <laughs> it's crazy. That was what, like eight years ago? That's... Yeah.
0: Man, that was my first and only E3 getting to go and preview that game. Incredibly fun stuff. Walking around like parts of the the venue that were modeled after. Oh God, what was that game? the The third person shooter made by Ready at Dawn, like 18, the Order, 1886. The Order, Yeah. Hey, that's another good one, by the way. That's that is one that one. I think is. I love that game. Yeah, the game still super haven't fun.
1: played it. It's, it's it's like very four good.
0: hours long, five hours long yeah i should should just do
2: it these days. it's pretty fun it's really good it's really cinematic the story is really well done i wish
0: they would make a sequel it's never going to (laughs) happen yeah i think facebook ended up buying ready at dawn for oculus stuff yeah they did all right my dudes that's about all i got for me uh sorry all i got for us i'm so i'm so overwhelmed thinking about these games that i want to go play now despite their Metacritic store, basically like don't let scores stop you from playing a game, I guess is like the, the thesis of of this topic, right? Would you guys agree with that? That if you want to play with something, yes. you should go play it.
2: Yes. If you've got the financial means and you're, you know, excited for a game or you think it looks interesting, I think that's, that's yeah. absolutely the, the verdict
1: for sure. At least check it out because, yes. you know, the popular opinion doesn't always stand true. If you were to listen to the popular opinion about, say, Breath of the Wild. You would think it was a fantastic game, but you'd be wrong. So, go ahead and just check out the games you want to check out.
0: Yeah, if anything, sevens and sixes should make you more curious about a game. Like if yeah. if a game is getting universal praise, like maybe don't worry about that game. You you'll enjoy it now. You'll enjoy it later. But if a game's getting a seven, if a game's getting a six and a half, a game's getting not perfect scores, that might be the time to to pounce on it and check it out. Be like, I just got to figure out this game. I got to crack this little code.
1: Let me tell you about a game that's a legitimate sex, George. <laughs> Legend is out of breath. Of a <laughs> uh,
0: I, I'm going to actually try to replay that game. I, I work in advertising and advertising always gets a break between Christmas and New Year's. Like I get like an actual like not even a vacation, just like an actual like work mandated break. And guys, I just started a new job. It's July 20th. I am so excited for that break. I'm going to do so much stuff, or nothing at all. I haven't quite decided yet, but I think I need to actually give Breath of the Wild a fair shake.
2: Play Xenoblade, Xenoblade Chronicles one, two, and three.
0: You got there time. There you go. Bada bang, no, bada bada got a week time to do that. Except <laughs> what? What about the expansion for two? Is that something worth checking out or no?
1: I have not played it. I have not played it. I've it started came, it.
0: It came in stock on like some Canadian website, and I managed to get Xenoblade, like a physical copy of Xenoblade Chronicles two, the expansion. And some other game, I can't remember, that has long since been out of print in the States.
1: Hmm.
0: And so I'm sitting here. I got all these games. I'm just like, what should I do? I also want to check out Persona 5 Royal. I want to be part of the conversation with you guys. I want to talk about nerdy things that happen in melodramatic Japan. I'm very excited.
1: Did you guys know that there is a very interesting story about Xenoblade Chronicles and GameStop? The the reprint situation. Yes, the reprint situation. Have you heard about this, George? No. Okay, so... Do you remember... Operation Rainfall?
0: Yeah, it was Xenoblade Chronicles, Pandora's Tower, and the last story, right?
1: Yes, okay. So, they all got released, and Xenoblade Chronicles, and what was it, Austin? Metroid Prime Trilogy? It was, yes. Went hyper-rare after they released, because they only... GameStop being the biggest supplier of video games in the United States at the time only released the amount that were pre-ordered through, through Operation Rainfall. They I believe yeah. they knew they were super rare. Both were like $100 or more yes. like on average almost yeah. immediately after they released, okay? So for some reason then later on like like a year or two later, all these copies of Xenoblade Chronicles and Metroid Prime Trilogy started appearing as used games at GameStop. Specifically used, and they all appeared at once. And what people realized was that GameStop somehow reprinted the games, and there was a specific difference, I think, in the Nintendo logo on the inside of the case that you could see in the reprint version. And was selling them as used games for a massive profit. And no one ever finished that story. That is a story that would like like no one ever finished and, and dug into any more than that. Very the, interesting.
2: The Prime thing was obvious too, because Metroid Prime trilogy had, I want to say it was a steelbook or some sort of special case, and that was the yeah. only way you could buy it. And they reprinted it, and like you said, Seth, they they um they changed the case. They made it like a standard Wii case, and they yeah. upcharged. I oh, yeah. They also, they charged like charged $70. For $70. Yeah,
1: yeah, $70 used for them when they, when they yeah. appeared in all the GameStop. That's
2: bizarre. Unfortunately, those are the copies that I have of both of those games. This is the reprints of both. Yikes. Because they were
0: they were cheaper, but yeah. still. I got, I got the first prints of those. I got the steelbook. Metro Prime, Prime Trilogy. There was like a regional video rental store near me called Front Row Video. Good name. And they had a brand new copy of the Metroid Prime Trilogy. Grabbed that for $20 and then I grabbed Final Fantasy 4 on DS also for $20. What a day. What a day in summer for for Young George. I bet. All right, boys. I think I'm ready to wrap this up. Um any any closing thoughts, Seth or Austin? <sighs> I don't think so.
1: Moose are way too big.
0: <laughs> we need more meese in this world. Moose. In. The re- Fun fact, the reason that uh, goose is pluralized into geese, but moose is still plural moose, is because moose is actually a Native American word, and there was no, like, uh, conjugation for, for plurals. Oh, and so like a singular moose is also a, a multiple moose, whereas and I think goose is a, a German word, if I'm not mistaken, where they pluralized it to geese.
1: Hm. It doesn't I sound right, that. though. It's time to change moose into meese.
0: No, no, I live in Maine. I live in actual moose country. No, moose is fine. You don't really see like a herd of moose. Like it's not super relevant. Like if, if there is like more than one moose meeting, then like something's wrong. Like the council of moose ha- has convened and like, you should probably get out of Dodge.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what you, it's going down.
0: They're also excellent swimmers. Like there's always like I <laughs> recess was closed one day in elementary school, multiple days across the years because there was a moose spotted in town and they could not guarantee the children of the, <laughs> of the school of safety. So they're like, yeah, recess is indoors today. We're like, it's summer. It is 80 degrees. It is a beautiful, sunny day outside. And you want us to play inside. They're like, dude, you don't know what a moose can
1: do to you. <laughs> We're like, okay, yeah, that's fair. Some of the scariest videos I've seen online are meese charging at cars. <laughs> I hate you so much.
0: I prefer. Thank Mises. you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode one Oh five, of frame skip, a fun conversational video game podcast. I've been your host, George. I've been joined by Austin, who you can find on Twitter at Austin. J. Eller. Seth, he can find on Twitter at Seth, the 90s kid. Don't follow him. Uh, we're missing two of our favorite people tonight. We're missing Elijah, who we mentioned several times. He can be found at Local Lizard Man. That is also his handle on Twitch, where you can find him streaming on the weekends. Not and anymore. we're also missing Coach, uh, who you can find in a gym somewhere, probably a Planet Fitness in, in Texas somewhere. He's doing bench. He's doing leg presses. He's doing deadlift somewhere. So Godspeed, Coach.
1: Watch out for those stray hammers.
0: You can find me on Twitter at purplebird616. That is also where I host a comic book podcast called Shortbox Summary. I'm hoping to get either Elijah or Austin on at some point soon to talk about Young Avengers. Seth, I'm calling you up, baby. We're talking about a story I never wanted to discuss, but something you mentioned. We're talking about Spider-Man The Other.
1: Oh, God. All right. I thought you were going to say original. You requested it. I know I did request it. I do request it. But I know you don't like that story. I
0: don't. But it it it's like literally the last. So I had to do a Spider-Man story with Aaliyah my partner Mm -hmm. on the last episode, because no one got back to me in time to be a guest on the show. So I forced Aaliyah to put a gun to her head and be like, you need to read these six issues of amazing Spider-Man. So Mm -hmm. I still want to talk about MK night, Spider-Man with you, Marvel night, Spider-Man with you. But now we got to do the other, because it's literally this story that we just covered the other. And then it's the civil war tie-in and I haven't even covered house of M yet. So we got, we got to start, start rolling the ball on, on this podcast.
1: Just hit me up, but you're better off texting me because I I don't, I don't get Slack notifications.
0: Thank you so much for listening to episode 105 of Frameskip. Like I said at the top of the show, please leave a review. Please leave star ratings. Please share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. We are all fun, friendly people who like dorking out about our favorite things. And we will be in your ear holes again next week.
1: Hey, listen. We're recording this episode of the podcast, right? Yeah. And I really just want to say, I think we have the core group here of Frame Skip because I have unfortunate news that Elijah has been struck by a rogue spinning hammer through the streets as he was going to get coffee. Elijah has died.
0: Oh no! That's why he's not
1: here. <laughs>
0: what a way to go, too. Rogue spinning hammer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> Nobody came out,
1: actually, out of like nobody came out of nowhere. You know, every once in a while, they'll just get you.